You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. guys welcome to another episode of the best life podcast we are super super pumped we are here with lisa bilyeu and we're so excited to talk to her we're going to make sure that we do an intro so that people who don't know you can get to know you a little bit more but i'm pumped to have you and thank you so much for having us today oh my god thank you for having me guys yeah we're we're in lisa's studio so she's kind of actually having us but we're having her so (laughs) i know it feels very fancy i'm like we have to up our set game actually (laughs) as a result of this i feel like i know we need the video we're like we're officially recording in the Impact Theory Studio with Lisa, yeah, baby. Yeah, thanks for having us here. It's so exciting. So I kind of I met Lisa about a year and a half ago or so, yeah. recording her podcast with Cassie Ho, which was Be Heroic podcast. That's right. And so I'd been friends with Cassie for a long time, and Lisa was there, and so that's how we made the connection. And we're just so excited to have you on and like to keep that relationship going. So thanks for. Being I know. Here. I can't believe it's been so long. I know. I saw you the other day, and it felt like we'd just seen each other. Totally. It like went by so fast. And so you guys were doing the Be Heroic podcast right now. That's not. Are you guys not doing that podcast right now? No. So we did about, probably for about six months, mm-hmm. we did that podcast. We both loved it. But the one thing we always said is take care of our parent company. So my main company um, is Impact Theory mm-hmm. um, and hers is Blogilates. And, yep. you know, that was kind of our side hustle was the podcast. And we just said that if at any point that comes into conflict with what we really do on a daily basis, that we have to speak up and being best friends, we were very honest with each other. And so as it got closer to Christmas, which is Cassie's biggest time because of health and fitness, obviously mm-hmm. the new year, everyone wants to lose weight. And yep. um, she just said, right now, I can't do it. And so we agreed that we'd put it on hiatus and we kind of see where it went. And like I said, that was last Christmas and I started getting the itch of, wanting to like I just love the environment I love chatting deep discussions but also fun things so I really missed it so that's really how my new podcast Women of Impact came about just the wanton need to be around cool ass women yeah, like amazing. We'll talk oh. more about that. Your new definitely podcast hear too. so much about that. But I actually love you saying that your parent companies are the priority because I think we, we actually Jill and I did a little webinar for some of her people recently talking about podcasts. 
And so we both each have our own businesses and our own things going on. And then this is kind of a group collaboration. And I think sometimes you can decide whether you want that to be the number one thing or the secondary thing. So you guys had a good communication around that. That's really cool. Yeah. And what's funny is I think when you're in a relationship with a partner, Mm -hmm. um, a romantic relationship, usually you have guidelines, right? Rules of engagement with your partner. Okay. I want to do this. I'm looking for this in a partner. And in business, you do the same. You don't really with friends. Yeah. Like you don't say as a friend, if I call you and say, I need you, it's important that you call me back. Right. No one really says that. Yeah. Right. So I think with Cassie and I, because we started off having a business relationship back at Quest, mm-hmm. we kind of knew how to really set things up for success is what I like to say. So we had all those ground rules as friends in business together before we ever started. And that really made all the difference. And you guys are nodding. Yeah. You guys yeah. I know as you guys can see, we're just like totally <laughs> nodding our heads. Yep. Because yep. we talk about communication so much on this podcast and mm-hmm. how important it is. And it can be really uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, even being best friends, sometimes you're like, oh, is this going to be a big confrontation? I don't want this to be an argument, but I think when you're at the level that it sounds like you guys are at, you just go, this is just business. This is clinical. This is separate from our friendship, mm-hmm. you know, and you understand each other. And I think sometimes when, you know, kind of feelings get in the way or people's sensitivities get in the way, but it sounds like you guys have navigated that pretty well. Yeah. But the question is, why don't we as friends have that same type of communication? You know, I think oftentimes we have the expectation. We've talked about this yeah. where we think people either somehow they read our minds or they just know <laughs> Like, I would never do that, so Lisa would never do that. You know, I would never do something behind someone's back. But it's like the interpretation of what's being done or the things that, like, if I think I would never do that, then I would assume. And we just make a lot of assumptions. We make assumptions all the time or we think maybe we're as invested as the other person. So, like, going into the Be Sheroic thing, your podcast with, with Cassie, you could have been like, yes, let's go all in. And Cassie's going to make this amazing. And she's kind of like, no, Blogilates is my baby. Mm-hmm. And so you guys had the conversation. I think that's what's really important. But yeah, why we don't, I think it's just the assumptions we make. We just kind of assume everyone's on the same page. And that just isn't always the case. It feels it? vulnerable too to talk mm-hmm. about. And I think sometimes people are scared about that too. So yeah, I was just going to say, yes, I'm just going <laughs> to agree. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think, um, so, I mean, for people who maybe don't know kind of like your backstory, your origin story, kind of just like bring us up to speed. Like now Women of Impact is the new thing. I'm super pumped to talk about that. How did you like, what was the journey all the way here? Wow. How long do you guys <laughs> yeah. have? All right. We see, got all let, day. Let me see if I can truncate this yeah. for you. Um, so about... Almost 18 years ago, I met my husband, started dating him, moved to America and became a housewife. But I had actually studied film at film school before I met him. But having moved, not legally being allowed to work and kind of having a few failures on film sets in America, we quickly realized that if you want to do any type of content, you want to create something and you really want it to come into fruition on how you um, have envisioned it, you've got to have the finances Mm -hmm. because the second someone else is putting money to it, they start, they're able to take more control. So my husband made this, you know, at the time, somewhat of a crazy statement, which was, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to make enough money to build our own studio. Mm. But I believed in him and we had a future, you know, that we'd envisioned together. So it's like, all right, let's do it. So I was a housewife. I agreed I was going to take care of Billu Enterprises. And that's just a fancy name for saying housewife. (laughs) I literally was like, I don't like the word housewife. It didn't sit well with me. And now afterwards, reflecting back, I really like am interested to analyze why it didn't sit well with me. I think it's because I had the perception that a housewife didn't do anything, Mm -hmm. that they had no value. And the truth is, oh my God, like if you're a housewife and you're a mother and 
you have extraordinary value and yeah. you basically keep the family afloat. Yeah. But I didn't like the name. So I called myself president of Billu Enterprises. <laughs> I love it. And so my husband went out every day and he worked and I was at home and I was making sure that the bills were paid and the house ran smoothly. And he had his clothes, literally I set out his clothes for him every day because he was working so much to try and get enough money for us to, you know, um, build this future. And so once we did that, like after a while, he came home and he was just miserable. I mean, I, it felt like I blinked, but it was about eight years went by. Mm-hmm. My husband had that was full of life. He wasn't there anymore. He was miserable just trying to earn money. To, he was focusing on wealth creation and not actually enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So he came home one day and he was like, I want to start a new business with my business partners. And are you in? And we want to make protein bars. Mm-hmm. And that's how <laughs> Quest was born. So I was like, sure, I'll help out. What do you need me to do? And so I started shipping boxes for my living room floor in a tiny apartment. And um, so actually we had moved, we just bought a house and it was, I don't know if you guys felt like this, but it felt like I'm finally able to nest. It's Mm -hmm. my first house. I'm going to make it my own. This is where I'm going to have my kids. And so he came home saying, but we're going to have to give up the house if this business doesn't succeed. Mm -hmm. So now I'm at a crossroads thinking, well, I want a family, finally get to nest. I feel like I'm a housewife now. And this is the one thing you want to, in essence, gamble with. But then I just asked myself the other questions like, what is he going to feel like if I don't support him? Mm. If this is someone who, if this is his dream and I'm holding him back, how would I feel if it was the other way around? Right. So I said, I just need to invest in him. And that's what, to me, marriage was about. He invests in me, I invest in him. So I said, screw it, let's do it. So we put all our money if, if it went bankrupt we would have lost the house I mean mm. we would have lost everything so I was shipping boxes from my living room floor and that was kind of my first venture into being an entrepreneur if, if you will and I just learned as I went along and because my house was on the line I couldn't not take risks you had to. Yeah. so for instance when we got to like 10 15 boxes of orders in one day I was like oh my god this is so exciting and I'd have to line up an hour when I'd go to the post office to drop it off I was like there must be a way that I can speed this up like standing here for an hour is such a waste of my time so I went to Costco I bought a big bag of candy I took it to the people at the post office and every month I would give them a big bag of candy so they started calling me the candy lady (laughs) and I would go straight to the front of the line and so that was kind of my first so smart yeah my first take on like okay if you want to build a business time is really important I don't want to let my husband down because he was working his full-time job and we were doing quests on the side so I was like I don't want to let him down how do I do this and so I just had that mentality and before I knew I took our shipping department at quest from my living room floor to 80 million dollars in revenue and that was within the first two years of our company wow incredible so things exploded very quickly that's when I started getting a taste of being independent mm. I was like wow I'm, I have to make decisions for myself I'm no longer this you know one person at home making decisions just for me and Tom I've got 40 employees that are working underneath me there were ex-convicts that I had to not even had to they were like one of the best employees they would yeah. work hard long hours but I didn't know how to be a boss mm. so I was learning that as I was going along cut to you know the company five years later was announced uh, second fastest growing company in North America okay. I was full-fledged in, you know, trenched in the shipping department and then realized I was miserable. So you don't necessarily, your dream doesn't always make you happy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to recognize that. So I recognized it, switched over, went back to my grassroots of filmmaking, built the studio within Quest Nutrition, started doing content and then blink a couple of years later and we spun it out. Quest was doing fantastically well. And the great news is it was doing well people were losing weight people were getting healthy on the bars 
But there was still a massive gap between that and let's say someone like my mom who was gaining weight. Mm. And so my mom started off heavy set and turned basically obese. And so it's like, hang on, I'm trying to throw money at my mom. We're finally successful. I've got this protein bar that a lot of people are losing weight over. Mom, take as much as you want. I'll buy, you know, hire yep. you a chef, whatever sure. you need. And she just kept putting weight on more and more. And then that's when we realized it's about the mindset. Mm. And it's not just about the body. And for the person that's depressed, for the person who's got anxiety, for the person who can't look in the mirror and feel good about themselves, they're not going to go to the gym. They're going to sadly probably turn to ice cream. Sadly turn to the food that is actually making them look like that in the first place. So there's one element we're not tackling and that's the mind. So Tom and I, we just said, what is the point of all of this success without actually doing what we want and creating impact? So we said, all right, we're going to take the studio and spin it off into its own entity. And that's how Impact Theory was born. And now Women of Impact, more specifically to empower women. Wow. That's incredible. I said I was going to truncate no, it. And I that was it. like, <laughs> I'm like just I'm entranced. Sorry, I was like, what else? And I got chills too, just knowing yeah. that you took all of that and you, you saw more problems and created more solutions going, mm-hmm. okay, we've got, we're helping one problem. But it's also we're recognizing that there's more problems and the mindset is so huge. And we talk about that all the time. And also Jill and I both come from the fitness industry right. with weight loss people mm-hmm. and helping. And we would see that as well. So I love that you yeah, guys Yeah. And embarrassingly, it. I think both of us, when we first started out, we're like, why aren't they doing it? They have the meal plan. They yeah. have the workouts. We were just like information equals transformation. And it just doesn't. It's like you can have all the diets. You can have all the right things to be eating. and, and But if you don't, if you're not on board with it, the motivation piece, then they're not going to get that transformation. So one of the questions that I had, and I want to dig into your story a little bit more, was about why do you think that Quest grew so quickly? Like what was it, if you had to say, like what was the secret sauce for you guys? Looking back now, the key things were, first of all, there was nothing out there on the market. So finding something that you really wanted. So we were working out at the time, not bodybuilder or anything, but we were working out and we're like, there's no healthy food to just take on the run. So the wives, so my husband and his business partners, me and the wives were kind of making stuff at home for our husbands and we were making homemade protein bars. So it was water, protein powder, peanut butter, mm-hmm. you know, yep. I, I would actually freeze it. So there was come to some chewiness to it, but you could only eat that for maybe one or two days and then it would start to rot because the second you put water in it, you know, the, yep. it, it activates the mold. So like there's nothing on the market out there. It was either products that tasted great but it basically had hidden sugars or not even hidden sugars. It was like, oh, throw a scoop of protein powder on a Snickers bar. Sure, Sure, it's got protein (laughs) in it, but it's still a Snickers bar. Or the other stuff that like, you'd have to have a bottle of water with you to down because it tasted like cardboard. So there was nothing on the market. So I think that was one key thing is recognizing when there's a gap in the market and how you can fill it. Second of all, we had no intention of actually getting manufacturing ourselves. So our goal was, oh, we'll hire a few people that know what they're doing, get ingredients that are really good for you that we can stand behind the top quality protein powders. We won't settle because quality is going to be important, even if we have to up our price point of our bar, but quality is going to be very important. So we started hand making them. We rented a kitchen. We were making about 2000 bars by hand for eight hours. So we were just literally rolling pins and knives with this little like pedal machine. (laughs) And just to give you an idea now, we make 1.5 million bars a day. Wow. So we were making 2000 bars in like, eight hour period oh by oh hand <laughs> but it was like okay we just want to prove the model we're going to give them out for free because that was another thing how do you bring value to people without asking for something back yeah. so we would make these bars we would send them out to all the people at the top of the pyramid so people that understood what the ingredients were that we were using and we were hoping okay if they really believe in it don't ask for anything in return here's something free if you love it great speak about it if you hate it speak about it 
because that especially back then that type of marketing didn't exist no, totally. and so it was like well don't ask for a favor right give them it and see what they say so the people at the top of the pyramid understood the ingredients they were looking at the bars going wow is this real they would try they're like it actually tastes good so they would start to talk about it. The influencers in the space would start to listen to the thought leaders. So they were like, oh, what is this thought leader eating? Let me try it. Then the influencers were telling, let's say the gym trainers mm-hmm. were listening to the influencers. Mm-hmm. The trainers were then telling their clients. So it became this trickle down effect where we weren't asking for anything in return. So Love it. word started getting around, especially also at that time, Facebook was only people like almost people just with friends no right. one was really no using in, yeah right. marketing yep. so that was another thing we're like great we would put little tags in our boxes like if you like this please speak about us on facebook and again if you don't like us tell us and yep. if you do tell us so that really made a massive difference back then and we were one of the first people to really use influencers so cassie ho that's actually yep. how we met her she had a bar she had big influence on youtube she took a photo of it our head of marketing saw it and was like maybe there's something here so we brought her in and we started doing content with her and it was a cooking show Mm. so we were kind of on the real edge of at least the the publicity side of it and I kind of there's one step that I missed was once the bars started getting made and people like them we went to a manufacturer and we literally said to them okay here's the product here's the ingredients and here's how you make them can you guys make it for us and they're like this product can't be made There's a reason why this product isn't on the market because there's no sugar. There's no ingredient to be able to make it malleable. So think of like honey, Mm -hmm. right? Or or sugar. Like it just makes things easy to, you know, squish and mold. And they're like, we have to add sugar to it for us to make it. We're like, I don't think you understand the purpose of this product. (laughs) The point is to not add sugar. And they're like, well, it can't be made. So I think it's the naivety of the beginner. So we're like, well, we'll make it then. Right, like not realizing what we were actually getting our, <laughs> right. you know, our feet into. So we bought machinery from a company that was falling apart. Like they, I guess, declared bankruptcy. It was a chocolate making company, and they had one piece of machinery that looked like it could make our protein bars. So we bought the machine, and no joke, it. So we paid a hundred thousand dollars on this machine. Right, every penny we all had. Yeah. On this machine, it turns up, and we're like, now what? <laughs> None of us knew how to use it. So my husband's business partner thankfully came from, um, grew up on a farm. So he was used to machinery. He was used to figuring things out. He was used to just like getting a chainsaw and like welding things together. So he picked up the manual and literally he read the manual on this, you know, maybe it was like a 50 foot, 80 foot machine that we had to put together because it came in pieces. (laughs) So we put it together. We ran bars in. We're like, we have no idea how to make it. Oh my God, things are sticking to the rolling pin. What do we do if it's sticking (laughs) to the rolling pin? I don't know, put some oil on it. Like, okay, but we can't put oil if it's going to change the macros. So it became one of those things where now we are invested. You spend $100,000. You can't go back. Right. So you have to make it work. So one day he called up my husband and he's like, look, I've got a plan, but it means I have to take a chainsaw to it. If I take a <laughs> chainsaw to it, there's there's no selling the equipment anymore. There's no changing anything. What do we do? And at this point we're like, well, we're all in. Like we've wow. put the house on do the it. line. We've wow. already started making the bars by hand. We've already got an employee. Like 
I guess we do it. <laughs> so he took a chainsaw to it and over a period of months and months, we kept running the machine. And, you know, on day one, it was like, oh my God, we've made three bars out of a thousand, but oh we've made gosh. three. This is amazing. You know, and every month we just got better and we figured it out. And we hired new people and we just kept innovating. And we, again, going back to like, if we had known what we were getting into, do would we have taken the right. chance? Probably not. Yeah. But it was the naivety of the beginning. And we're like, screw it. I love it. Let's <laughs> just figure it out. And there was no going back. So those those were big elements in how we ended up, I think, becoming so successful so quickly. Love it. This is the best story. It I really think. is. And I love the idea of just saying yes and just figuring it out on the fly. I think so many people, that's what keeps them from doing anything because they analyze and, and you were just like, I guess we get this. Then I guess we do this. It's like the first decision is always the hardest. And after that, it's just a series of smaller decisions based right. on the big one that you made, you know, so... It's cool. Yeah, and I'm going to say it to you guys, right? When you started your podcast, did you know how to do all this equipment? Did you even know what to get? No. We still barely do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? but, but you figured it out. Yeah, yeah right? we figured yeah, it out. We're just enough. like, exactly. we're going to do it and we're not going to... And also it was like, we're not going to let it hold us back from talking. So exactly. we'll just figure it out and then we'll yeah, figure Yeah, we've some upgraded equipment and stuff like that over the last couple of months. But yeah. 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 Do you think if you had a fallback plan, so to speak, like... Would you have just given up because you were all invested? But if you had like maybe, I don't know, a million in the bank and savings, would you have gone, eh, forget this. It's too crazy. I think it depends how badly I wanted it, you yeah. know, because I mean, Tom and I, we've started businesses before Quest. Mm -hmm. We started a photography business and a website design business, yeah. a website domain business. So it's like. I think trying different things to see really what hits, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And at some point, if Quest didn't, then we would have stopped. And that wouldn't have been the story that I'm sitting here telling. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have stopped on something. And I mm -hmm. think that's the key, right? It's like, take those lessons you learn and then implement them for your next business. But just quitting because it's too difficult? Yeah. No, I don't do that. Like, I kind of put in like little key moments in my in my assessments. Yeah. Same with this new show, Women of Impact, right? It's like, there's no guarantee to anything. There's no guarantee that something's going to succeed. But I have to look at what it's going to take. Am I willing to do it? And then assess all along the way. Because I think I don't like to be dogmatic and say, no, this must work. Yeah. And then you end up spending five years on something that ends up not succeeding, right? Or you haven't even moved the, the goalpost. Like you haven't even got to your one goal. It's like, okay, maybe it's time to switch courses. And that's fine. And I think that that's where a lot of us get held back because we don't want to think of failing we don't want to yep. think of quitting mm -hmm. and sometimes that can be the best thing that you do but there has to be a thought and a reason behind it and then a lesson to take away from it but just quitting just because it's too difficult that's definitely not in me well yeah that being said too like you've been married for how long now uh, we just celebrated our 16 year wedding so you definitely have a don't quit attitude let's kind of talk about your relationship there because I know you guys so impact theory and I don't know if these are separate brands I know you guys do your podcast and your show and there's relationship theory so is that just a topic or is it a separate brand you've got yeah so really impact theory is the, the umbrella company mm -hmm. everything lies under that so all of the other shows that we do, yes, it's the same and it's found on currently our in Impact Theory podcast. And that's kind of actually one thing we're struggling with right now mm -hmm. is that is it different audiences? To me, it's actually just all about mindset, mm -hmm. mindset in business, mindset in a relationship, mindset as a woman, mindset as an entrepreneur, whatever it is. To me, it all goes around mindset, including fitness, right? Yeah. Sure. When it's tough, when you're sore, when you're tired, it's not your body that's going to overcome. It's your mindset that says, no, keep going. Or you know what? Maybe you shouldn't do this because you may pull a muscle right like yep. again all about mindset but I think it may sometimes be different audiences people that specifically want to hear about 
relationships, mm-hmm. but they don't really care about being an entrepreneur. Got it. You know, same with fitness, right? It's like, and I think that that's actually one issue that Cassie really had to overcome is so many people knew her as the fitness girl. Yep. And when an, I and her, uh, we both did our podcast together, is she was now talking about business and entrepreneurship and the other side to her that she doesn't get to talk about which I think is so incredible but she just doesn't get a chance to yeah. and but it's a different audience yeah. and slowly that's kind of become more important of a thing that I'm focusing on is okay what audience are you going after yeah so your relationship with Tom I know you you guys do a lot of stuff on relationship theory I had heard that your parents didn't really like him at the beginning so I had somebody ask a question. I wrote some questions down from, yeah. from Instagram and they wanted to know, should you put a lot of value on what your friends and family think of who you're dating and how did you manage that? And how are they now with your relationship now that you guys have been together so long? It's tricky. So my mom, my parents actually divorced and so my mom loved him. Mm-hmm. Just My mom's always loved America. So the fact that he had an accent, I think she just <laughs> fell in love straight away. Plus he turned up with an entire suitcase. So the first time he ever met my family, we'd only been dating for about four weeks. I'd moved from, um, I was here in America for just a short period of time. He came to visit me in England, had a full suitcase of presents for my entire family. And so, of course, he totally won over my mom. She was, you know, just a softie. But my dad, on the other hand, was a very traditional Greek man. And so it wasn't that he didn't like Tom specifically. It was that he didn't like the fact that he wasn't Greek Mm -hmm. and that he was American. So he couldn't understand him. And my dad comes from a world of you know, culturally, everyone should stick with their culture. Mm -hmm. If you're not Greek Orthodox, how are you supposed to understand the other person? So he just didn't understand how we could make the relationship work. And then on top of that, I was, you know, his Greek daughter who was supposed to move, you know, opposite him, literally. He actually bought his house opposite. So when I got married, I would move (laughs) in opposite him. No joke, that is no like... So for him, he was like, hang on, not only do you, are you trying to be with my daughter but you potentially want to take her away to a different country Mm. so for him looking back now I can completely understand at the time though I just think like are you not happy for me I'm in love like why don't you just want happiness for me I don't understand if all you want for your children is happiness and this is making me happy why can't you accept him but understanding now where he comes from I totally get it but at the time it was just really like you only get one life and I think you have to be respectful for people around you. At least I wanted to be respectful, not that you have to be, but I want to be respectful of my dad because he did so much for me in my life. So I didn't want to dismiss him, but at the same time, it's not his life to live. And I hate to say this, but if the world goes the way it should, your parents pass away before you. And so what happens if they pass away and now you're 40 or 50 and you didn't do what your heart wanted? It doesn't mean the relationship's going to succeed, right? It just means I don't want the regret. Yeah. And so if it didn't succeed, stop worrying about that I told you so of all the people that said, see, I knew you shouldn't have married him. See, I knew you shouldn't be with him. Like, I would rather deal with I told you so than the regret of not trying in the first mm-hmm. place. And that's really, I was very young, I was only 21 at the time, but I knew then that it's my life to live. And as long as I always show respect to my friends and my family who disagree with my decisions, be like, look, I totally understand where you're coming from. I know that you love me, you just want what's best for me, but this is what I choose to do and I hope that you can support me in it, right? Super respectful. And if they don't, then I'm sorry, then you can't be part of my life. Mm -hmm. But I can't hold my life back 
for other people. I have to do it for myself. And so when Tom actually went to my dad, being very traditional, yeah. to ask for his blessing, he was like, I'm not going to ask for permission. <laughs> I'm asking for his blessing. And he said, how do you expect to provide for my daughter? Because again, he's very traditional. Yeah. He basically assumed I would stay home and be a housewife and have kids and that would be it. So he said, how do you you know, plan to provide? And Tom back then, you know, poor and broke and, you know, had dreams of being a movie director and, you know, being great man. But he was just like, I plan to do this. And at the time he was barely earning anything. Yeah. So it was all I plan to, I plan to, I plan to. And my dad just said, look, I'm not traditional, which of course it was a total lie. He's like, I'm not traditional. <laughs> Basically, you can live with my daughter, but don't marry her. That's how much he was worried about me getting divorced. Wow. <laughs> so... He said, you know, don't marry her. I'm not traditional. You guys can live together, but don't, please don't marry her. And he said, with all due respect, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still going to ask. And my dad was after that. He never said why, you know, he never was negative about mm -hmm. it, but he was, you knew how he felt about the marriage. Yeah. And then when I moved, he was just like, how are you going to live? How is, you know, what are you going to do about culture? But Tom got christened. I, mean, I don't know if you guys ever saw my big fat Greek wedding. Mm -hmm. That was our life. So literally, he, <laughs> oh, got, really? he got christened Greek Orthodox. He learned the language wow. because we'd planned to baptize our children. That yeah. was actually very important to me at the time. And cut to, you know, let's say, how long? It was probably eight years, nine years after that. My dad came to visit. Quest was blowing up. Quest was massive, in fact, at the time. And my dad didn't understand. Even though I was telling him on the phone, yeah, Quest is doing great, dad. And he's like, I don't know about this protein. <laughs> you know, like with a Greek accent and had no idea. So eventually he came to visit. And at this point, we were we were at the top of our game. The company had been, you know, evaluated at a billion dollars in five years. Crazy. So my dad came. I think even though I told him all this, he didn't quite expect to see what he saw. Mm -hmm. So we go, we take him to the factory. And I'm talking, we had 300,000 square feet of property with machinery and ingredients. And we had 1,200 employees. So it's like a sea of people. Wow. Yes. And Bars are just like, I mean, I said, said 1.5 million bars a day, right? They're like, did you ever see Willa, Willy Wonka? Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, Charlie in the Chocolate yeah. Factory where things are just coming <laughs> off the bell. It was like that, like protein bars are being made, peanut butter, you smell it, and yeah. you've got nuts over here, and it smelled like a candy store. And so we walk in, and my dad and stepmom just see this sea of people, and it just goes on and on and on. And so my dad just stood there, mouth wide open, and Tom turned around to my dad and said, Andreas, remember how you asked how I planned to take care of your daughter? Aww. And he said, yes. And Tom's like, how do you think I'm doing now? Aww. And my dad just burst into tears. Aww. He gave him a big kiss and a big hug and was just like, I'm so proud <laughs> of you guys. And it was that moment. I've got a photo of Tom and my dad in hairnet and, and lab Aww. coat in the, you know, in the manufacturing yeah. plant, and they've just got a big smile on their face. And... It was one of the best days of my life. Oh, I got chills. I know. I'm like, I'm only tearing up. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious though. So you said a couple of times that there was some time where Tom was really unhappy right before mm -hmm. Quest. And then when you were doing all the boxing and then you found yourself really unhappy. So over those few years when you guys were both just grinding and doing everything, were there times in your marriage that you were just like, this is just not going to work? Or have you always been fully committed? Has there been a conversation? Was there ever a conversation about divorce? Like, was that ever in the back of your mind? Like, if it doesn't work out with this guy, I'll just leave. Or has that never been on the table? Because you were saying about the business, like, I'm not a quitter. Yeah. But I think that with relationships, sometimes people feel different. Yeah. So I can only speak for me and Tom. So I'm mm -hmm. sure, you know, other people, they have their own dynamics. But for Tom and I, 
we never talk divorce. We don't even joke about it. Like, oh, you know, even just as a joke, you could be like drinking alcohol and having fun with them. And then you're like, oh, oh joke, joke. Yeah. We, we never joke about divorce. We take that very seriously. That's yeah. one word we don't say. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't consider it. And sure. when and what I mean by that is when I first met Tom and I got into a relationship with him, I'd like to, what I call, set people up for success. So I say there are two things I will not forgive. It doesn't matter how much I love you, how hard it would be to separate. It doesn't matter if we have kids or not there's two things in my relationship I will not abide by it is abuse Mm -hmm. so if you ever lay on hand on me I'm out that door and I'm not saying it's easy right I get how difficult and I get that that's not for everybody Mm -hmm. to just walk away but for me I just ever since I was a kid I was like I will not take this from another man if you lay your hand on me I'm out of here and an affair and I will just not accept it. And it doesn't, again, mean that people can't overcome it. It's just, for me, it's not even about the sex. It's yeah. about the emotional betrayal. Yeah. That we have got so far in our relationship that we couldn't communicate yeah. that you weren't happy or that something was missing. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't know, if, did you guys ever see Dr. Foster? I think it's called. Mm-hmm. No. So there's a TV show called Dr. Foster. And there's a moment, I think in the first or second episode, where she finds out that he's having an affair and she confronts him. And she says, I think you're having an affair. And before you answer, I want to say, if you admit to it, I think we may be able to get through it. But I won't be able to deal with the lie. Mm -hmm. So before you answer, please think about what you're going to say back to me. And he looked her in the eyes and he said, I did not have an affair. And of course, afterwards, it starts unraveling and blah, blah, blah. But that's how I feel. It's yeah. it's the lie. Yeah. It's the not being committed where you couldn't come to me and say, babe, I'm this relationship I'm not happy in. Or even there's not enough sex, right? Even if it's that, if that's, if that's what your thing is and you just want sex a lot, then come and tell me so we can talk about it and get on the same page. But if you're not communicating, I can't overcome that. Yeah. And so I had that conversation with him from square one. These are two things that I will not ever, ever forgive you for, no matter how much we're in love, no matter how many kids we have. So I kind of laid those ground rules initially. And then going into when he was at his most down and not himself in the relationship, uh, sorry, in his in the business mm-hmm. I started to see him change and I started to he didn't want to talk when he came home from work he yeah. didn't want to communicate he didn't even want me just to chit chat because his mind was so stressed on the business that even like if I was being silly like he just didn't have patience for it mm-hmm. and I just saw his life the spark that I saw when he was younger was completely gone yeah and over time that started to wear on me and over time I started to feel like I didn't have my husband yeah and it didn't just affect like I didn't just feel bad for him right. but our communication wasn't there because he didn't want to talk yep. he just wanted on the weekends to zone out so I, I said that to him I said look this is becoming dangerous yeah and I love you and I am here for you and whatever it means whatever we have to do to get over this I'm not going to just bail on you but something needs to change because right now if we go down this path it doesn't end well for us and it wasn't that I was saying we're going to get divorced but I'm just saying I'm I'm waving the flag yeah and you for so many years haven't been waving that flag and now I've gotten to the point where I need my husband back and so we sat down and we said what does that actually mean going back to tactics not just emotions but actual tactics it means that I need to be able to sit with you for an hour look you in the eyes and talk right get very tactical Mm -hmm. it means that I want you to bring romance back to our lives what does that mean okay romance means I want to go for dinner with you and I want you to put your phone down and look I think that everybody has needs so if in return your needs are you need more sex or you need 
to be experimental in our sexual game you know whatever that is like let's have that on the table no you know no holds barred no shame no judgment because I think that's a big thing as well right is judgment and am I going to feel petty if I say I want more flowers right no I'm just going to tell you I need more flowers and if you don't have time then I will work with you to make sure that you make time like okay babe I'm going to set an alarm and no joke I did this I'm going to set an alarm in your phone to remind you it's my birthday yep because I want to set him up for success and look when yep. he's stressed I want him to feel like he's got a partner in it yeah. not someone that's just now beating him over the head with more demands right so it's, all right, babe, I'm going to set an alarm in your phone and this means it's going to be my birthday and what I want you to do is I want you to book me dinner. I will choose where to go because I know you don't have time to look, right? And that's kind of how I would handle it, get very tactical because the second you just put things out into like, I just want more romance. Right. What does that actually mean? Because right. my version of romance and his version of romance, let me tell you, are very different, exactly. So I love that so much. I have so many questions. This is amazing. <laughs> no, like- so... I want to ask you about, I love that. Thank you so much for being as vulnerable and sharing all of that about like working together Mm. and the romantic stuff. So I'm sure you get this question a lot, but how do you guys, do you separate it? Do you have like moments where you're like, okay, we're a couple now or like we're, you know, we're business partners now, or does that just seem to flow easily between you? Yeah, we work at it a lot and we have, I think at least for me, can't speak for everyone, but just going with the flow never ends well. It always means that, oh, you didn't mean that. Oh, I thought you meant that. And now you're right. clashing. And so I liken it to this. When, if you're going for a job, even when you were younger, you ask what the position is, right? What's your title? Okay, so you have a title. Then under that title, what are your responsibilities? Okay, people don't do that in marriages. Yeah. No, they don't. So we literally sat down and said, what is your role as my husband? What do I want your role to be? But what do you want your role to be? And the same as the wife what do you want from me okay so he may say I want to be nurtured I want you to take care of my food I want you to take care of the house I want you to feed the puppies right like be very specific don't Mm -hmm. just say nurturing meaning what yeah and we sat down and we did everything but I think write it down into columns (laughs) and so what is the thing you want me as your wife and then what is the things I want to do as the wife and then the same vice versa. So what is your position? Okay, I don't think you can have, think of a company again, you can't have two CEOs. Mm-hmm. So who is who is the CEO and right. who's under them? Right. Now, it doesn't mean that this person, the second hand means that they're less than. Right, right. It just means you have a strategy in place so that if you butt heads, you have a plan of action on how you're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's Tom is the alpha male. And I want him to be. Sure. I want him to be the man that... If I'm not feeling well, if I'm down, I want to be like the worst that's like, baby, take care of me. Like, I want that. If I turn around and say, I want, I I actually want children. So we've decided not to have kids. But if I want, what would that mean? For me, it would mean I want you to be the breadwinner. I do want you to go out. I want to stay at home. And having those discussions ahead of time. So he's the alpha. If someone breaks in, in fact, this is even better. If someone breaks in and they've got a baseball bat, I'm going to look at my husband to fight him off. Like, you know, I kind of like to think of myself as a little toughener. And if I had to, I would absolutely defend myself. I would not run and be a wuss. But let me tell you, I'm going to like look at him to fight them first before I do. And so having that clarity in the relationship is amazing. And again, just because I'm the beta doesn't mean that I'm less than. Yes. It doesn't mean that I have less value. Yep. It just means my position in that dynamic is different. Sure. 
And so we had the same discussion with work. Okay, with the business. Who is the CEO of the company? What is your role and what is my role? Mm. Tom is the visionary, but he's terrible at logistics. I'm great at logistics. So as that, okay, you're the visionary, I go and execute. But still, that doesn't mean that I'm not independent, that I don't make decisions. And so I had to really navigate that as well because I didn't just want to be they're like, okay, you say this, so I'm going to go do it. And, you know, I've, I've got my own thoughts. I've got my own vision. And any time that I disagree with him, we have it out and we debate and we discuss. And it just comes to a point where if you can't convince me and I can't convince you, what do you do with the business? The business cannot go on hold. Yep. It can't be at a standstill. So who gets final say? Just decide. Right. You know, and we've decided that he gets the final say there. But not once have we ever done that. Now, we've been in business together for, let's say, what, six years now, seven years as business partners. And we've never once had that. So it just builds in strategies and the reason why I think we've never had that is because we respect each other enough that we know where each other's strengths and weaknesses are and in fact when I say we've never had that we actually have I just remembered recently he's just like I disagree with you so we're going to go this way but I didn't disagree with his decision yeah you have preferences um, and you it sounds like you guys both can clearly communicate your preferences without it having to be like someone's right and someone's wrong. It's just like, let's come to an agreement that works. Yeah. And I think sometimes people are scared to have those conversations because mm-hmm. it feels like a big fr- confrontation or it feels scary or feels vulnerable or it feels like you're wrong and he's right or vice versa. Yeah. And it's not, it sounds like it's not really that way. And that's the thing, who's right and who's wrong. Because I think the moment your partner makes you feel like you're wrong, mm-hmm. you almost get defensive over it. So then your, your guards go up and then you start making excuses and now you're not playing as a team and the truth is we both have the same goal we're on the same side yeah right it's like in basketball if you're like shooting the wrong hoop it's like no 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 you need a strategy so that you guys can play together so you can actually win together and doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems it doesn't mean that you're not going to disagree but when you do how do you handle that and we have those same rules in our business and the same rules in our marriage and with our house and our relationship it's okay where there's a lot of things that i probably get a lot more final say than he does in our relationship and that's because things are more important to me so when it comes to the house you know we work out of the house we have 23 people that work every day it's like it's much more my sanctuary than it is his so he's like you get final say on the house you tell people where they're going where the offices are where the desks are and so it just it has just worked beautifully but we've had to work on it and have disagreements and butt heads and figure out strategies to overcome it because you have to it's never going to be smooth sailing ever ever mm-hmm. i love you guys i love the analogy of like a job title and your yeah. the things that you're supposed to do and i people don't do that in a marriage just like we talked about <laughs> at the beginning with the friendship the relationships mm-hmm. and business we are afraid to have those conversations but do you guys, like we interviewed Cole uh, Hatter a couple of weeks ago and he says he does these things with his wife. They call them audits. So they're like, how are you doing? So do you guys have like you set aside time on a Friday where you have these discussions or is it just when things start bubbling up, you're like, we need a solution. Or do you guys have date nights? Like how do you manage having these conversations and when are they brought up? Is there a schedule that you follow? And is this for relationship or business? Relationships. Yeah. So we've embraced how we really are. And I think that's very key, right? Just 
own who you really are and how you function. My husband, bless him, he doesn't get the urge to be like, oh, I need to connect with you right. like I do. I think most men are kind of like that. Anyway. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing. That's fine. It right. doesn't mean that he loves you less. Mm-hmm. It just means that our brains are wired differently. Like they totally. actually are. So in, I don't take that personally. And that's one big key thing in just growing up and our relationship developing is I don't take that as a slight to me. I yep. just say, okay, we're different human beings. And if I feel the burn before he does, so he'll work every hour of every day. So just to give you an idea, usually from Monday to Friday, we interact as business partners and we kiss each other good morning. And then at night, I rest my head on his chest every single night and fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that is the only interaction we've had as husband and wife. He brushes his teeth with his headphones on because he listens to podcasts and he listens to audio books. So even when that transition where people like pass each other in the bathroom, we don't get that. So I feel the burn before he does. Mm -hmm. And so he'd keep working. And once upon a time, I'd be like, oh, well, surely he's going to miss me at some point. And, you know, like he just (laughs) keeps working and keeps working. And every so often he'll give me a kiss and that will be that. Um, And I would take that personally. And the key is I'm going to now take control of it. Because if it's not that he doesn't want to spend time with me. It's just he has such a drive to be an entrepreneur and a businessman that I need to respect that. Because that's part of why I fell in love with him. Then like wanting him to have those traits and then judging him for having them, that's just not fair. Yeah. So I now were very comfortable in saying, all right, babe, I need to reconnect with you. He's like, great, let me know when. So I will go to his assistant and I will say, when does he have time in his schedule? Can you stop him from working, let's say at 5 p.m. on a Thursday? Because I want to go for dinner with him. And the second it's in his diary and we leave the house, he's fully engaged. He puts his phone down. And he engages with me and we have a beautiful date night. And so we've just figured out, I speak up when I need it. I figure what all those triggers and those like benchmarks are. So I'm like, okay, I'm getting irritable with him. All right. Mm. I know myself and I know this, even if I don't feel it, being irritable is a notice for me. It's a flag for me to go, hang on, Lisa, you've been irritable with him, but he hasn't actually done anything wrong. Okay, it means that you need his attention. Oh, okay, you need his attention because you didn't get to spend, you haven't seen him for two weeks. Yep. All right, so use this as a tr- that, that trigger to go and do something about it. Mm. So instead of sitting there and dwelling on, I don't get enough time, yep. I take the control. I say, if okay, it is on me to make a difference to my own relationship. Don't wait. Okay. And the same, like, if I want flowers, like, babe, it'd be really great to get flowers. Like, just tell them yep. what you want because I don't like the guessing game. They're never going to be able to read your mind. It's like friendships, right? You can't yeah. read your friend's mind. So why do you expect that from your partner? Sometimes you don't even know yourself. Totally. So how can you expect your partner to know you? Right. And so now we do that. I definitely put things on his calendar. We try to keep Saturdays free mm-hmm. as our date, day or night. But we also play a game called Selfish Desires. Ooh. And yeah. we made this up. <laughs> Love it. We call it Selfish Desires. Love it. And really it's... Every Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. we sit down and I say, what is your selfish desire for today? Because the key also, when you work as much as we do, it doesn't mean that you then, if you have time off, you should spend every waking moment with your partner. Sometimes you need selfish time. Sometimes I just want to be alone. I want to watch crappy TV. (laughs) You know, the, the, you know, the housewives of Beverly Hills, just let me watch it and drink my coffee in peace you know it doesn't mean that I don't love him doesn't mean that I don't want to spend time with him but it's just I want to take time for myself and so we sit every Saturday morning we say what's your selfish desire and he goes through a list of what he wants to do and I go through a list of I want to do and if we can do things you know um, at the same time we will so be like okay I want to swim and he'll say I want to read I'm like all right babe so why don't you bring your book 
down to the pool. So I feel like I'm with you. I'm swimming, you're reading, but we're hanging out. Yeah. So we'll do things like that. Or we found things that we like to do together, like video games, we play that. <laughs> or sometimes I want to go shopping, I just want his opinion. And I know he hates it. But it's selfish, right? Yeah. I don't have to think of him. Yeah, That's right. the whole point of playing the game. <laughs> Love it. So the game is selfish as well. I want you to come with me shopping. And in return, I will do something completely whatever you want. Don't even think about me. What do you want? Yeah. And he'll be like, great, I want to do this. And I'm like, fantastic. I will come and I will do it with a smile on my face. Because that's the other key, right? When you're doing something for somebody else, but you're grumpy, yeah. let me tell you, you don't get the credit for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you so just true. don't, right? You're like, yeah. well, you came along, but God, that sourpuss face that you had yeah. on the whole time yeah. is miserable. So then you're just like, well, you shouldn't have come in the first place. <laughs> right. Here they are trying to do something nice for you. You don't really feel the niceness because they're grumpy. So the key is to do it with a smile on your face. So he, when he comes shopping, even if he doesn't want to, he goes around the store and he's like, all right, babe, what are you trying to look for? I'm like, I want some sexy pants. He's like, all right, great, I got it. And he'll run around the store and he'll pull out all these pants and I feel like we're doing it together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I'll reciprocate in the other extreme and whatever he wants to do, if he wants to play video games or, you know, something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm on board. I'll have a smile on my face and I'll be down for it. You know, and so you build, I don't know, there's something about that bonding where you're doing something for someone else, where you're kind of really engaging. But also, again, just as a side note, taking time for yourself, yeah. having that selfish time and letting your partner have that selfish time without it being a reflection of how they feel about you. Because it's like, if you want to read, it's like, oh, does that mean you don't want to spend time right, with me? Right. It's like, well, no, it doesn't mean that. Mm -hmm. Who doesn't want to have selfish time? So it's... I love it. Hopefully I answered your question. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was amazing. And it kind of goes to an, uh, something else we wanted to ask you about. So we were doing a little research and we loved your tank top that said, everything is my fault. Oh, yeah. So this can be extremely triggering for people. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that mantra that you believe in so strongly. Everything is my fault. Yeah. And some people, I totally understand, they use that as a negative and it will destroy you if you have that type of belief system. So I'm not saying this is for everybody. But yes, Impact Theory, we produce a shirt and we print a shirt that says everything is my fault. Because for me, being able to take control over something means I can change it. And I never used to be like at 16, everything was everyone else's fault. Sure. Because it used to make me feel better. If it's not my fault, then I don't have to deal with my own inadequacies. But if I don't deal with my own inadequacies, how do I not get better? So now instead of focusing on how the inadequacies make me feel and how badly it makes me feel... I focus on, wow, if I'm bad at that, it means I can get good at it. And if I can control that, that means that there's no stopping me. Mm. So it, I use it as an empowerment. I use it as I'm not good yet, right? Just throw on the word yet. Like, oh, I'm crap at that right now. Yeah, I love that. You know, and if you look at something like, I wish I, I could play the piano. No, no, Lisa, you can play the piano. It will take 10,000 hours. It will take time <laughs> and dedication. Yeah. And I choose not to spend my time doing it. So now I won't say, I wish I could. I say, I chose not to. And those little empowering. shifts in the mindset is really empowering. Because even with my health, right, my entire health, I've been struggling for the last three years and I've just owned it. It's like, could I blame the doctors for prescribing me antibiotics when I was young and I didn't know mm -hmm. any better? Yeah, I could blame them. But I was the one that put them in my mouth. Mm. So if I can take ownership of that and say, all right, Lisa, what can you learn from this? Mm -hmm. Because I am going to take ownership over, the, over this. And if antibiotics is part of your problem, how can I own it? Okay, the next time a doctor tells me to take something, stop, ask questions, research, and then choose if... 
it's right for you, right? But instead, I could have easily blamed the doctor. Sure. And Most I could have do. taken all responsibility off me. The doctors prescribed me so many antibiotics. It destroyed my immune system. It tr- destroyed my gut. It's all there for. Or I could have said I reduced my calories when I was 16. I did, you know, I started taking out fat on my diet. I started taking carbs out of my mm-hmm. diet. Because all these people were telling me, well, these experts, they shouldn't say that carbs are bad. And they shouldn't say fat is bad. No, no, Lisa, you chose to listen to them. And you chose to remove them from your diet. And you chose to then take antibiotics. And that's why you're dealing with gut issues now. Okay, well, if it's all my fault, then healing myself is also in my control. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lose the power that I can have. And gaining that power has allowed me to take control, try new things. Oh, this didn't work. Okay, Lisa, it's your fault. Get onto something new. Figure it out. And it just helps me improve and since I've changed that mindset I feel so empowered and almost like nothing can stop me because if some if I hit a brick wall it's like all right do I need a sledgehammer do I need <laughs> it just gets know? clinical it sounds like you take the emotion out of it yeah. you're like it's not bad it just is what it is so what's the solution exactly I, love, I love you take responsibility like you're such a great example of taking responsibility for everything even just saying well if I need time with my husband and I'm upset that I'm not seeing him, I'm going to go to his assistant and book myself mm-hmm. in versus going, waiting for him to notice, getting more and more upset, waiting for him to like read your mind and you you just take responsibility. I love that. I think Hi. you do that. And it sounds like you just do it in everything. And it's just another way of saying like, everything is my fault is really just saying like that I can control it, you know, yeah. or I can take responsibility for it. Yeah. That's really, really cool. So there was another thing that was along the lines of this we saw on your Instagram, which was about trusting your partner too, about not checking texts, mm. um, not looking at messages. So, and you know, Jill and I both, we talked about early in the podcast about the affairs um, that our husbands had. And so I love your feedback on that. But what do you mean by like, you trust Tom inherently? You, you never look at his stuff. You never worry about that. And what does that really mean? Like, how can you just, let's say, blindly trust? Yeah. Or do you feel like and look, I'm trust? coming from a place who he has not cheated on me. So if I had been scarred in the past, I honestly don't, I'd like to think I could get back into this place, but I need your listeners to know I'm coming from someone who hasn't gone through that heartache. So I don't quite know what you guys have been through. So I just want to preface that. But when we got married, we said communication is everything. And so if I think he may be having an affair, I think it's not the actual affair that's the problem. It's why do I think that in the first place? Because it's not that it's the affair is irrelevant because of course it's very relevant. But it, let's say, imagine he wasn't. Yep. And now I'm like, I, th- I think he might be. Mm-hmm. Well, why, do I, why am I insecure? Mm. Right? Because let's say he hasn't even had the affair, but yeah. I, start text, I start checking his text message. Yep. It means I don't trust him. Mm. It yep. means that I don't trust our communication, mm-hmm. that I don't think he's telling me the truth. Now, those are massive things that I need to deal with before even thinking about, is it actually true or not? Yeah. So that's really what I mean is like I I would use the second I would feel like I don't trust him, it would be a major like hold the phone, stop everything because there's something seriously wrong in my relationship where I have to think that I have to check check his phone. So that's really where I come from. Like I, I, I wouldn't even think twice about checking his text message because I don't feel it. But if I felt it, that's what I would have to deal with. Yeah. I love that. Jill and I are nodding our heads, but we did an episode on trust and trusting again. And both of us were blindsided. I didn't feel any need or Mm. reason because there was no history of that to check messages and things like that. And I feel like you do have to go in trusting. So I really, 
appreciate your perspective on that and that it comes back to you again, mm-hmm. bringing responsibility back to you. And so. also on a, like a minute to minute basis, how do you want to be living your life? Right? Yeah. Like if you were constantly having to, or feeling like you had to be hyper vigilant about that, you know, I would rather just like know nothing and then be blindsided and right. deal with the heartache then if right. it's inevitable, you know, versus this constant mm. feeling of insecurity all the time and questioning myself and yeah, it sounds like that you would do maybe the work on yourself if you were starting to feel that, like, why am I feeling insecure? What is it about me that's not feeling good enough? Yeah, and I think that if Tom did, and again, I'm saying this having not sure. experienced it, but if I did and Tom left me or, you know, cheated on me and we split up, I would like to think I was the type of person. I would look and go, okay, what part did I play in this? Because, mm-hmm. again, like, it's, I'm sure, easy to blame your partner, right? Yeah. They cheated on me. They They strayed. But how can I use it to empower me? Because you've got two choices. It can completely destroy you. Yep. I'm sure, right? You guys yep. are nodding. Yep. Completely destroy your self-esteem. I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not pretty enough. What was it that I, you know, in the negative? Or you can say, okay, what part did I play? And how can I improve myself so that when I get into another relationship, A, this doesn't happen, or B, that I'm strong enough to notice where things fall down and I choose to walk away. But I would want, again, just take ownership because I don't like for my own, this is purely for my own self-esteem. If I just sat there and be like, I'm not good enough. Where do you go from there? Where do you go from there? I just, I think I would, that would, it would crumble me. It really would. And because I know I wouldn't want that to happen, I just have to switch my mindset and be like, this isn't going to fucking break. And I swear, sorry. Oh, yeah, we, oh, okay. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not going to fucking let this break me. Yep. Hell no. Under no circumstances will I let this destroy the person that I am. I want to learn from it. I want to improve from it. And thank you, ex-husband. I'm going to grow from it. Yeah. I love it. I want to like, I know. Like, <laughs> yeah. drop. I love it so much. And we've talked so much about infidelity on this podcast. So I always appreciate people's take on that, whether you've had experience or not. So last question we yeah. ask all of our guests is this podcast is obviously called the best life podcast. And so for you, what does it look like when you're living your best life? What does that look like? Hmm, on a day to day basis sure. or, or just in general, or what's the feeling or like, what are you doing or how is that? Yeah. Um, well, the company's definitely revolved around impact. So, you know, when we built Quest up to be as, you know, successful as it was, Tom and I had the discussion of like, no bullshit, what do we want to do, right? Do we want to buy an island and like drink Mai Tais for the rest of our lives? Or do we actually, do we have a mission? And we're like, I'm going to get bored. In two weeks, like honestly, sure, Mai Tais are great, a beach is lovely. (laughs) But the truth is I really would get bored. And so what what is my driver? My driver is impact. It was with Quest Nutrition. You know, we still own, you know, a big portion of the company. But that is helping people on the struggle with their body. Impact theory is helping people with the struggle of their mind. And even to this day, when we get emails or we get letters where people are saying, because of you or because of the company, I did X, Y, and Z, and now I'm living a happy life or I'm bettering myself. Like, I, I cannot honestly say that there's anything better than that. You know, now look, I need to be happy in my marriage. Because if I had all that and I was miserable in my marriage, that would not be a great life for me. I would want to be happy on my day to day. So do I feel zen in the sense of am I at peace with myself? Do I like myself? Do I look in the mirror and smile at myself on how, you know, am I proud of myself? So all of these kind of all encompassing how I feel about myself, how I view myself is a big thing because I had such a negative voice when I was younger Mm -hmm. and I used to let that negative voice seep into everything I 
did. Mm-hmm. Now I think, well, I can only speak for myself. I still have that negative voice. Sure. I just don't let it control me anymore. So do I let it control me? Do I do I feel happy within myself? And then am I doing things on a day-to-day basis to really gain impact to affect other people's lives? I love it. It sounds like you have completely found your meaning and sense of purpose. I definitely try. (laughs) So where can our people find you and give us just a brief synopsis? I know we didn't even get a chance to talk about this, but we're going to have to have you on again. Yeah, we definitely have to for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, where to find you you and a little bit about Women of Impact podcast. Yeah, Yeah, so um, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu and that's B-I-L-Y-E-U, spelled rather weird. That's really where that's all very personal things about my life, my journey, my health, my business, my husband, all of that. And then Women of Impact is at Women of Impact and that's really where it's kind of the platform I wish I had when I was around 16 Mm -hmm. so it's very empowering but not putting down men not comparing Mm -hmm. ourselves to men we do these fun you know throwbacks where we compare like entrepreneurs to where they started Mm. from did you know some really interesting women facts so it's a really fun place to go and then YouTube at Women of Impact where I host a show so exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, we're definitely going to send everyone to Women of Impact. And I know you have that launching very soon. Or I think when this airs, it I will have already launched. Live, yeah. So we'll send everyone. Is there a website associated with that or just social um, media? Not right now. Okay. Yeah. It was one of those like, oh, we'll just be tiny and we won't do much. And then, of course, I'm sure as you guys know, right, you just keep, <laughs> you keep adding layers. Yeah. And then it was like, well, we might as well do a YouTube channel. And it's like, ah, you might as well get an Instagram handle. And <laughs> yep. it became, it was supposed to be tiny and yeah. I love it. We'll definitely send everyone there. I think our readership will, our listenership will love it. Yes, Thank they will. You, Thank God. you so much. Thanks so much for having me. This is amazing. Absolutely. Thank Yay. you guys All right, guys, me. we will see you next time. And make sure you guys follow Lisa and Women of Impact. <laughs>